25, we're going to look at just a portion there, verses 1 through 13. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. If you don't have your own Bible, our, our ushers have Bibles available. Just raise your hand. They'll bring a Bible to you that you can use throughout our service this morning. Turning there to Matthew 25, reading verses 1 through 13. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. Remember chapter 24, Jesus is speaking about those events that will be a sign of the times, of the end times, and of his return. And now, starting at verse 1 in chapter 25, please give attention to the reading of God's word. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. May God give us understanding in his word this morning, challenge our hearts, and give us a heart of obedience to prepare for his coming. If you would, as you remain standing, bow with me in a word of prayer. And after prayer, a choir comes to give us special music and then the preaching of God's word on this passage. Let's pray now. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to be here today. We ask that you'd open our hearts to take in your word, that you give us understanding, that you would challenge us to put into practice the teaching and the lesson that comes from this text this morning. We pray for those who aren't with us today, those who are sick. We think of Dale or James who is in the hospital this morning, and we pray, Lord, for your care for him and your comfort of him. We pray for others, Lord, who have experienced some type of sickness. There's, there's uh, just a virus or a bug going around. We pray for little Zachariah who tried to make it here today, but uh, had to leave and go back home. We just ask your, your hand to be upon him and, and to watch over him and to, to bless him. We think of, um, of uh, Brenda Adams and her continued care for her condition of cancer, that you would watch over and bless and heal. I thank you for the, um, 
the comfort that you have given through your people to her. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to encourage your people to, to see uh, to her needs and to encourage her in, in this challenge that she faces right now. Lord, we pray for, for others who are suffering in different types of ways. Uh, I think of uh, Sister Willa, who's here today, but also struggling with the illnesses that are going around. Um, I just pray that you would help us to withstand, help us to uh, be faithful in, in uh, uh, trusting in you and uh, enduring through the different challenges that you have for us. So we thank you for, for uh, your work in our hearts to encourage us and to keep us. And we pray, Lord, that you guide us as we look at your word today. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. attention to God's word today. In the previous section of Matthew 24, Jesus went over the things that would happen very soon after his death and his resurrection, and then those things that would happen to signal his return, the end of the age. And now in this chapter, he's going to take some time to share through two parables and then a, a, um, another parable or story of the judgment. He, notice what he says in the first part of verse 1, then the kingdom of heaven will be like. Again, he's describing what the kingdom is going to be like or the coming of that kingdom or the return of the king. What is that going to be like? Now, Here's the parable, what we call the parable of ten virgins. And sometimes that just kind of uh, uh, causes us to, to stumble a little bit at understanding. This is a parable about a wedding ceremony. The ten virgins are, are really like bridesmaids in the wedding ceremony. So I want to talk a little bit about what an ancient uh, uh, Jewish wedding ceremony was like. There are three uh, distinct parts of a, an ancient Jewish wedding. Um, and we can relate to them very much because even though we don't have rituals for each one of these parts, we do in, in our culture today practice uh, some of these same things to some degree. And just listen, and you can see after I share this with you, you'll see how it ties in with the parable that Jesus is speaking about today. So there's three uh, distinctive parts or distinct parts of the ancient Jewish wedding. The first part is what I would call selection and mutual commitment. Selection and mutual commitment. We would call that the dating today but dating for the purpose of marriage. And so in, in the ancient Jewish world, oftentimes it's the father who would seek a bride for his son. Old Testament story that, that reminds us of this is the story of Rebekah and Isaac. It was uh, Abraham who looked for a, a wife for his son Isaac, and he sent his servant to go back to his hometown or his homeland and to look for a, 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 a virtuous woman who would be fit and suitable for his a son to marry. 
And this servant went and he found Rebekah. You remember that story. Um, and so in this first part of the wedding ceremony, there is two people getting to know each other, and they come to some mutual agreement and commitment. The father usually selects a, a bride for his son. The son and the bride-to-be develop a relationship and make some type of consent together. They're not forced into this, but they consent, and we can see that with Rebecca and, and uh, 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 Isaac. And so Abraham's servant asked Rebecca after having some conversation with her if she would be willing to come back with him and marry this son of Abraham. And she willingly did that. <coughs> In traditional uh, Jewish culture, the groom and the bride would separately, after they entered into this commitment, uh, uh, they would separately uh, practice a ritual of, of cleansing, which they would be immersed in water separately um, as a ritual. It would be much like our baptism today, where they would uh, practice this, this cleansing ritualistically, saying, I am cleansing myself in preparation for this relationship, right? Um, and, and we can see that in... in, in boy meets girl today and dating, they would decide that, hey, we're going to commit, you know, would you go with me? Would you be my lady? Would you, we, we, we can be exclusive together. It's kind of the commitment that's made there. The second part of this ceremony, what we would call engagement, and um, uh, in the Jewish it would be betrothal, and the example in the Bible of this would be Mary and Joseph in the New Testament. In this in this uh, time of this marriage arrangement, the groom shows his commitment, commitment by giving a valuable gift or money uh, to the bride-to-be or to her family. Uh, giving a ring would be uh, that type of a gift, and we still practice that today. They would make vows to each other, a commitment to each other, but they would not live together or have any kind of sexual relationship. They would just be engaged. And so we understand that period of, of uh, relationship in, in, in our culture as well. This period would typically last about a year or so. It's an indefinite time, but it lasts about a year. And again, the picture of this would be Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph were in this betrothal or engagement cycle and that's when Joseph discovered that Mary was, in fact, pregnant. And he began to think, hey, I'm going to break this off. And in order to break that off, he had to do it with a, a legal writing of a divorcement. During this period, um, the, the, the uh, uh, groom-to-be, the, 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 the man, is to prepare a place for them to live. He's the goal and to prepare a place. So you can imagine Joseph thinking, you know, wow, I'm putting all this effort and commitment, and, you know, she's sleeping around with somebody. What's up with that? He, he, he had that kind of a thought because he's engaged, he's committed, and he's wondering where her commitment is. And so he's like, hey, this, this ain't going to work. Um, <clears throat> but the groom is to, to prepare a place. Now, scripture-wise, think about this. John 14, 3, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
You can't go where I'm going now, but I'm going to return and come and get you and take you with me. That's what Jesus says. Again, it's following this path and this, this practice of this relationship. By the way, in that first, well, let me get through this first. It says, and so the groom will be preparing a place. The bride-to-be will be preparing, making some personal preparations. For instance, her, garment, her wedding garment, she'll be preparing that as, as, as well as her wedding party. Uh, she'd also be preparing uh, a lamp. Um, preparing the oil for the lamp. And the lamp was so that uh, she would be ready when the groom came for her to, to complete this wedding ceremony. And whether he came at day or night, she would be ready because she'd have a lamp ready looking for his return. Um, the groom during this time would not be living with her. They, they are not, the, the marriage has not been completed yet. He'd still be living with his mom and dad. His dad would finally give him the approval to complete this marriage and send him away from the home. When he gave that approval, he would, he would have a joyous celebration with all of his friends, his male friends, as he would make the journey from his dad's house, his old house, to her house. He would pick her up. This would be a wedding, uh, 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 almost like a wedding parade. He'd pick her up with much joyous celebration, and then they would travel to the house that he had prepared, and they would finish the formal ceremony. They would be married, and as we say, they would live happily ever after. And so those are the three phases. That engagement was preparing for that for that father to give approval to release the son, he would go from father's house to, to bride-to-be's house and take her and then travel to uh, uh, the place that he had prepared, and then they would complete the marriage. So that was the marriage, morning where, marriage ceremony where they would have the feast and the completion of all the vows and then live as husband and wife, to live happily ever after. So I, as I said, we relate to that in our culture today. Um, and, and yet in, in Jewish culture, it was just a little bit more ritualistic and more ceremony to it. But that's the backdrop of what Jesus is talking about. Can you see it now with the parable? You can see it. Let's go through it. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is going to be like Ten virgins who took their lamps. In other words, bridesmaids, this is the bride and her wedding party, and they took their lamps. They're waiting, <coughs> excuse me, they're waiting for the groom to come, and they don't know when that's going to be. Can you imagine being a groom? He's at dad's house. They know this thing is all planned, and he's just waiting for dad to make final approval and to send him out. What if he sent him out at 10 o'clock or 10 p.m. on a Monday? He ain't going to wait till Tuesday morning. He's taking off that night. He's gone. And when he gets there and it's dark, she needs a lamp. That's what the lamp is for. And she knows that. I am going to be ready, she's thinking to herself, for whenever he appears, I got my lamp going. 
it's ready to go. Of course, in our day, it'd be like a flashlight, right? But make sure your batteries are charged up. It'd be like our cell phone. Make sure that cell phone is charged up. And so, the ten wise, excuse me, ten virgins, five wise and five foolish, he tells us what the action and how each of them are described. The foolish are those who don't take extra oil with their lamps, and the wise are those who have an extra flask of oil with their lamps. What's the attitude there? They are anticipating this return at any moment. This period could have been a year, and so we don't know. They don't know when that day is coming, whether it's going to be day or night. But this one thing they know, when it happens, I am going to be ready. Number, verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Let me say this first. We know that Jesus talks a lot, even in the previous chapter, about attitude of preparation and being ready, being attentive. But here, the drowsiness and sleep is not because they aren't attentive. It's just the day-to-day -day activities. How do we know that? Both wise and foolish sleep. They both are drowsy. It's the day-to-day -day activities. Life goes on, but in the minds of the wise, they sleep, and they can sleep soundly because if the bridegroom comes at any time, those lamps are ready. They are ready. The foolish aren't concerned or don't make that their concern. I don't know if they're carried away with something else. This story doesn't tell us that. But the one thing we do know is that they aren't prepared to go at any moment. What happens next? But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. As I shared in the story, Father has given his approval and sent the son out. The son wasted no time in making his way to the, to, the, to the bride's place. And as he began to arrive, you could imagine, you might hear that party coming from a little while away. They're rejoicing. They're celebrating. It's like a parade. And as they get close to the house, it's like, hey, y'all hear that? Here he is. He's coming. He's here. Now what happens? <clears throat> Jesus was an excellent storyteller. And he told these because he wants you to understand and pay attention to some facts. When you know the history, now you know what to pay attention to and what you can kind of push aside. Like the drowsiness and them all sleeping is just life as it goes on. But something else happens. There's a cry, and the cry is at midnight. That's purposeful for us to think about. This, this, this bride and her party 
didn't know what time of day this would come. It happened to come at midnight when none of them were specifically uh, awake. So they woke up quickly and they had to go into action. The call is, he's here, come to meet him. It says, then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the food is said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. What are they saying? <laughs> they say, hey, look, we got enough for ourselves. You better go down to Walgreens or go down to Walmart or, or, or wherever you got to go to get, get ready and get your stuff ready. We're not going to sacrifice our stuff. You better go and go, go shopping and get ready. Verse 10, and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And I think the key is in this next section. Those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. What is this passage about? Well, it becomes clear now as we see the story. When Jesus had been telling of the signs of his return, and he's saying, even though some people see those signs, if they haven't prepared ahead of time, when they actually happen, there will not be time for them to do what they need to do to get ready because he's going to come. Yes, they're going to see the signs. I imagine they could hear this group progressing closer and closer to the house, or, or, or maybe they didn't hear it until they got almost there because they happened to be asleep. That's how life happens. He's going to come at a time when it's unexpected, even though you're expecting it, and there won't be time to prepare then, what would the foolish uh, virgins have been thinking? They were thinking, hey, you know, hey, I got some oil. I'm cool. I, tonight, he didn't come yesterday. He didn't come this morning. Uh, I'm just going to sleep, and in the morning, I'll take care of it. It's that kind of attitude. I'll get ready when I know it's coming. I'll take it serious. And then I'm going to act. People today live in that same attitude. You know, I believe the Bible. But it hasn't changed their everyday life. Because they think when they see all this stuff happening, they got time to react. The purpose of this story is you'll see the stuff happening. But if your heart isn't changed, you won't respond, and you won't have time to respond in the last minute. There will not be time to respond. <coughs> they thought they could get by and respond quickly. Their first thought was, hey, well, just loan me some oil. 
I'll get ready real quick. But that wasn't an option. Jesus, at the very end, in verse 13, after telling this story, he simply says this, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And he leaves it at that. It implied is you don't know when he's coming. Jesus is the groom in this. He's waiting for the Father to send his approval. In the last chapter, he says, nobody knows the day or the hour, not the angels, not even the Son of Man. He's waiting for the Father, who only himself knows, to say, son, you know that time you've been waiting for? Go ahead, enjoy it. It's time. He's waiting for the Father to give approval. When the Son gets that approval, he makes his journey down. And all of these signs are for everybody to see, but only those who have prepared ahead of time will take advantage of that day. These are the wise virgins or wise bridemaids who are prepared, who have thought, they have reflected, their day has been busy doing what they needed to do to get ready, and they have not neglected their responsibility. They're saying, look, he's promised me he's coming back. I'm not sure what time he's coming. I'm not sure what day. I'm not sure what week, but he's coming, and I'm going to take him at his word. And to show that I take him at his word, here's my lamp. And the oil with it is there right by my bedside. I am ready at a moment's notice. He comes at midnight at a time that's inconvenient and unexpected. But there has been signs of this all along. Can you get that picture? Jesus in, verse, in chapter 24 gave all of these signs. <clears throat> and people today say, well, when I start seeing the signs, I ain't stupid. I'm going to start acting. I'm going to get into, into, into motion. I'm going to start doing things. Jesus is warning them, when you see the signs, if you haven't prepared ahead of time, you won't start preparing then, and whatever preparation you try to make will be too late. So he says, as he finishes this story, those who were ready went with the bridegroom, and they went on to the marriage feast. Those who weren't ready I'm just going to make a quick run to the store right quick. I'll, I'll be right back. And that's what they did. They got concerned about taking care of business here and forgot to take care of business about the main thing, and that's preparing for the one to come. And when he came, they missed it. And then we see them afterwards. It says in verse 11, Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Now, I would imagine they figure, hey, you know, it's no big deal if we don't have oil ready because 
<coughs> we know where the house is. And we just run down there right quick. And, hey, I'll get a ride, so it won't take me long. I'll get down there real quick. And they knock on the door. What's the response? We hear you knocking. We hear you knocking. He says, he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. It's too late. In other words, I'm not letting you in. There is no excuse you can give or anything that you can say that allows that door to open. Special music last week was so appropriate. And they sang, it's going to rain. It says they knocked on the windows. <laughs> they knocked on the door. That, that's just kind of a visual of what would have happened, perhaps, in Noah's day. But the door wasn't opened to anyone. I would imagine them hollering and screaming and saying, Noah, Noah, come on, dude, you can open the door. <coughs> The rain ain't that much. We ain't, ain't going to let no water in. Just open up the door, man. Noah couldn't open the door if he wanted to. It's God who shut the door. It's God who opened the door. God had given warning to the people. It says in people Noah's day, it could have been 120 years that it took him to, to finish that and until the rains came. I don't know exactly what that time it was. It was a long time time. Do you notice in this story the bridegroom delayed his coming? In other words, it was a long time. Nobody knew exactly when that was going to happen, but when it did happen, there was no knocking, 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 let me in and the door is open. It doesn't happen that way. Jesus is preparing people to prepare their hearts right now. It's two things that people think, and, and uh, when I think about the coming of the kingdom, people say, well, you know, y'all been saying that for a long time. It don't seem like it's coming. But here's the thing they don't realize is that but the coming of the kingdom is accompanied by a judgment day when we will stand before God. And so we think, well, I got all this time to do this. But the fact is, that day will also come when we die. And none of us knows, we might think the Lord's return may be some time off. But even if that's true, you don't know how long you have. <coughs> you don't know. And so it is true, we don't know the day or the hour. There's people that you know, that I know, that last year this time were here, and they aren't here now. And they didn't perceive their death. Didn't expect it. But the fact is, it's coming, and it's sure to come. And we can't get out of it. It is either our death, and we will face God, or it is Christ coming, 
that's unexpected and we will face God. But either one of those are sure to come and it's indefinite in terms of the time and the exactness of the time. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. One of the things I've been accused of and I still fight now is that thing of a procrastination. When I have something to do, uh, I want to think about it first. And then I want to plan to think about it later. And then I want to plan to think about it some more after. I take it seriously. I really want to do it, but I'm just thinking about it. And that's what procrastination is. It's putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And Jesus is making a strong challenge to whoever will listen. Don't think that you have time and time and time and time to keep putting it off. When we put something off, it becomes easier to put it off the second time, the third time. And sometimes we even forget about it and go about until all of a sudden, oh, man, I forgot this. And I'll try to rush and get it done. And that was the attitude of these five foolish bridesmaids. They tried to rush and get it done, and it wasn't going to happen He's telling us, let's get it done now. Let's take Jesus at his word. Let's take him seriously, and let's put our lives together right now. Think of it this way. If you knew that you were going to die at 2 o'clock this afternoon, would you be making plans for your Super Bowl dinner? Really? Would you? Would you be making sure the TV works right and you got everything all set? Would you? Really? No. You would do whatever you needed to do to get things right. You probably spent a few minutes in just pity and, 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 and in amazement, but as soon after, I would hope you would get ready and say, what do I need to do right now? to get right. In your case, you might call your mom. You might call somebody you love. You might want to spend, send a message to somebody to share them something. But you won't delay in doing that if you take that seriously. But God is saying today, you don't know when that time is going to come. God is not trying to scare us into something. He's just telling the truth. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. So many people wait and wait and wait. I remember as a young man, I used to see and I used to hear people saying, you know, well, my uncle, he, he died and on his deathbed, he, he professed Christ. Thank God. Do you know that you're going to have that opportunity? Do you know that you will have that luxury to even make a decision that way? Now, the next portion we'll get into next week, it talks about not just the unsaved in preparation, but what we ought to do if we take God's word seriously. And, and it's saying, if you really believe what God's word says, it's going to show in your actions. There's not a believer 
who's going to say, I know God's word is true, but I refuse to do anything about it. Now, you might say, I'm going to do something one day, but you're not going to say, I refuse to do anything about it. The challenge here is to recognize you don't know when the one day is, and you better act today. You better act today. That's not to scare you. That is to caution and to warn you. It's amazing to me that Jesus sees all this coming, and he's telling people, don't take this for granted. Take right action. Notice at the end of this whole story, what does he say? Watch, therefore. He doesn't say, got you. See, I knew this was going to happen to you. No, he says, watch, therefore. That's a warning of love. He's saying, pay attention, man. Listen up. Do what's right. Do what you absolutely need to do so you don't find yourself in this position. Watch, therefore, because you don't know. You don't know when Christ is going to return. Father, we pray that you would move in the hearts of people today. Not people somewhere else, somewhere all, off in some other area, but people today in this room listening to this message. You are loving enough to share the truth. You're moving in hearts today that we would take your word seriously. I used to think, Lord, that if thunder and lightning came down, I'd listen to you. If you did a miracle in front of me, I'd, I'd pay attention to that. But you're saying to us today, if we don't have faith enough to listen to your son, we will be doomed. So move us to action right now, Lord. To have faith in Jesus that causes us to live a life of readiness, purity, preparation, and faith. Because we take him at his word. And we know what's good for us. I pray, Lord, you speak to the hearts of your people today. We pray now in Jesus' name.